Welcome to The Twelfth Story, a book discussion podcast produced by Cincinnati's Mercantile Library, where readers gather to engage, connect, debate, and discuss. The Mercantile Library is 181 years old and is the literary center of Cincinnati. Throughout the year, the Mercantile Library hosts authors and speakers, book discussion groups, and other civic events. We're a working library with a growing collection of more than 80,000 books available to members. We're located at 414 Walnut Street in downtown Cincinnati and online at mercantilelibrary.com. And we always welcome new members and guests. Today is a very momentous day for the podcast and for America. We are recording this on election day. And the book we are discussing, Neil Stevenson's Seven Eves, is a book that I personally, Grace Dobush, have recommended for this podcast for more than one year. <laughs> and we are finally recording this because I've finally convinced some other people to read it because it's 900 plus pages mm-hmm. long. So joining us today mm-hmm. in the lecture hall of the 12th story of the Mercantile Library are Gabrielle Blocher, board member of the Mercantile Library. Hello. Andrew Garth, who is a Mercantile Library enthusiast. <laughs> Hello. And me, Grace Dobush. I am the organizer of Crafty Supermarket, uh, international cat sitter, and freelance journalist. And uh, today we are talking about Seven Eves by Neil Stevenson. Uh, just a warning, there will be spoilers, a lot of spoilers, so proceed at your own discretion if you have not yet finished the book, but I highly recommend that you do, and then come back to the podcast and listen to the whole thing. Seven Eves is an epic story in which something happens to the moon. Something hits the moon, the moon is suddenly in seven pieces, and for the first couple days, everyone's like, holy shit, like what hit the moon? And then this Neil deGrasse Tyson type of character realizes that that is the incorrect question to be asking. The real question is, oh no, what happens next? And what happens next is that these moon chunks start hitting each other, becoming smaller and smaller, eventually covering Earth's entire atmosphere in a layer of moon dust called the white sky. And then those bits start falling at a date he anticipates being like a year or two in the future called the hard rain in which Earth, Earth's crust will be engulfed in flames for like eh, 5,000 years. And so the story is told from uh, the point of view of that scientist as well as a number of people up in the International Space Station who are realizing that they will never be able to come home again and all of Earth's energy is put into building a cloud arc in attached to the International Space Station to save some legacy of humanity in space until Earth is habitable again. Uh, I've told so many people about this book, and I'm so proud that some people I know have actually finished it. So how did you guys like it? Well, I actually just finished it, like, and now it's been about 31 minutes ago. Um, <laughs> so it's fresh. Um, it, uh, I, r- I really liked it. I really liked it. Like, for the la- I've been, I, I'm, I, every time I do these podcasts, I cram at the end. And I, uh, these guys know I was trying to delay even this day and whatever. <laughs> if we would have delayed it two weeks, I would have done the same exact thing and finished it 30 minutes for I'm a very big procrastinator. But um, it didn't, it wasn't bad because I really, really liked it a lot. Um, so the last week has been great. I've been able to dive into this book as opposed to, um, pay attention to like what's happening in the world, which is this election today. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I, I'm, there are a couple of topics that I'm interested in discussing related to the goodness and badness of the book. Um, one simply being, were the, long, um, were the long and detailed descriptions of f- completely fictional 
things. <laughs> completely fictional and like, uh, what's the word? Um, it's like uh, things out of his mind that you could tell he's kind of a gearhead, I think. Oh, you some mean like the theoretical astrophysics explanations and things like that? No, no, not like the topic of astrophysics, but like what the, um, the eye looked like and how it was made up and what the cleft looked like and how they built the, the cradle of the cleft. Like oh, the mm -hmm. I actual objects and the gliders, like they're these really cool things, but I think like he could have told the story for sure in less than the number of pages that he did. <laughs> and so I'm just curious, like sometimes, I, I went back and forth, frankly, like sometimes like, oh, this is so engaging. Sometimes I was like, oh, a little I, bit I less words. A, yeah, I had a very similar uh, <sighs> reaction to some of the long descriptions and it, it's probably not fair because when there were things that I found to be more interesting, right. I, I ate up the detail and right. I'm like, oh, this is so cool. But then there were other things where I thought, can I flip a page mm -hmm. and still be exactly on track mm -hmm. as far as this goes? And I, yeah. I was looking for some examples and anyway, you have, can I give you one quick example from mm -hmm. the text, for mm -hmm. example? Mm -hmm. You know, this is describing the construction processes for building the cloud arc. And right. You know, the single most useful structure building system turned out to be a rough and ready implementation of an old but good idea. It was a little bit like a machine used by gutter and downspout contractors mm -hmm. mounted <laughs> in the back of a truck, mm -hmm. fed by a large roll of sheet metal, mm -hmm. which would be bent into a gutter shape and extruded in pieces as long as you liked. Mm -hmm. And then, it, and, and that, it continues in exactly yeah. that vein, like about the gutter-like fabrication yeah. process for another two paragraphs. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. some of those, yeah. I, I he is not I a succinct writer per se, mm -hmm. but did you guys, were you guys aware that Neil Stevenson, when he's writing his books, he writes them in longhand on legal <laughs> paper? I did not know that. That's you would think that he would try to be a little bit more tight and <laughs> succinct with his writing considering his method, but no, dude is insane mm -hmm. and is literally writing all of this in longhand mm -hmm. in some cottage mm -hmm. in England, mm -hmm. um, which kind of makes me love it all the more. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I can't, I, it's, he seems superhuman. Have you guys read any of his other books? No, but I want to know what to read next. I want to read I, that. I one. have read Snow Crash. I love Snow Crash. And did he write Cryptonomicon? Yeah. yeah. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure that I finished Cryptonomicon, uh, honestly, but uh, I remember enjoying it and then being thrown into this weird sense of uh, misunderstanding or confusion, I guess is the right word, as related to like the jamming together of like modern and steampunk and mm. weird and it was really cool but I, I didn't quite make it to the end of that ride. Mm. Yeah. This, this was much more focused and uh, more my speed. Yeah mm. and this one I think is a bit unusual in that it takes place in like present day under kind of yeah. present conditions yeah. where Snow Crash was in a not so distant future, but in a more technologically advanced future that actually looks a lot like today, but mm -hmm. it was written in the early 90s. Mm -hmm. um, I think of him in the same vein of William Gibson, who I also really love. Mm -hmm. So my recommendation would be check out Snow Crash next. Okay, all right, but, cool. Um, like this, this book was just so spooky to me. When I read it, I was living overseas. I borrowed it from the library, read it, like devoured it, like mm -hmm. in the space of like a week, mm -hmm. and was just so obsessed with it. I mm -hmm. kept telling people about it and could not convince anyone to read it aside from me until now. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but I did like get a copy of it for my brother who spends his winters at the South Pole. Mm. He travels for like a week basically to get down to the South Pole from Cleveland mm -hmm. and he always needs a good book. And yeah. so I was like, 
I got one. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so Seven Eves is now actually at the South Pole Station. Nice. He finished it like on the way there over the course of uh, his trip down there last year. That's awesome. Um, Which probably feels a little bit like being on yeah. oh, absolutely. Uh, the cloud arc. Yeah. Absolutely. There's yeah. only like 200-ish people down there. So it's a perfect book, I think, to be reading at the ends of the earth. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, the the thing that, so I read it for a second time in mm -hmm. preparation for this, <laughs> for this podcast, yeah, it's <laughs> and <laughs> I realized that's a little insane, but uh, I enjoyed it just as much the second time, and and it, it didn't occur to me, like, um, the thing that changed most for me in thinking about just how the book is structured was I didn't realize during my first read that the video footage of the epic that the characters 5,000 years in the future that's always playing in the background somewhere, I didn't realize that that's like essentially reality show footage, like because they had cameras everywhere, all over the bases and all over the International Space Station. It, it only occurred to me that the epic is essentially reality television, mm -hmm. that l like these people of 5,000 years in the future are actually watching their real Eves mm -hmm. do stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, that kind of blew my mind. Yeah, I, en I enjoyed the social media commentary that really the demise, the ultimate downfall of the cloud arc, you could argue, is a result of social media. Yeah, totally. And that there's like this cultural taboo that results uh, against social media or individualized computing devices yeah. or something like no that? No more. It, there's two things about it. One is that, that it leads its ultimate demise because Tavistock does a bad blog post and like right. fucks everything up. And then the other thing is there's, there's a separate thing, which is he, he only, it's like one paragraph. He spends all his time talking to us about the like stuff the on the back metal. of trucks and gutter metal. <laughs> and then like one t paragraph on this like much bigger thing, which is, attention spans of human, like it, it's like real quick, like just determine att attention spans of humans were, were, were like, you know, severely degraded and like a disaster at the time of the epic. And so nobody uses smartphones anymore. It's like, what do you say? Like in today's time, nobody, and that's the deal with those weird crows. The crows are like the version of, did you guys catch that? Oh, yeah. Like that's uh -huh. a text message. Yeah. So people don't have to have, it's very like Harry Potter, like a crow comes and looks somebody in the face and you're like, Tell my husband <laughs> I'll see him at the coffee shop, and the crow's like, and goes and says that. It's like really weird, but I yeah. think that's the point. I think that's yeah. my. It's like a future space age version of the uh, crows from Game of Thrones. Yeah, yeah, right. <laughs> the ravens. Yeah, the ravens. <laughs> oh man. Send a raven. Yeah. yeah, yeah so yeah. I think that that brings up an interesting point, considering that today is the day of the election, in which blue and red are going up against each other. Yeah. And social media is extremely volatile. Right. Um. I think that Neil Stevenson didn't intend to be prescient, but in a way he is. I think that um, like the, the idea that like people just believe what they want to believe, there's yeah. this aspect of truthiness that, you know, and, and we kind of jumped ahead in terms of, you know, summing up the story. Mm -hmm. um, if you've read the book, you know that uh, once people are in the cloud arc and Earth is being destroyed, they're that turns into infighting and there's a faction that splits off from the main cloud arc because mm -hmm. they believe that, um, uh, what is it? They can go to Mars? Yeah, they, they want to go to, to the, 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 yeah. the big ride. There's the big ride 
There's the big the red people, and then there's the comet people. Yeah. Who yeah. end up splitting up into so the yeah, they blue want to go to Mars. red faction. There's red. Mars, and then there's the higher orbit outside of yeah. the, all the bolides. Yeah, yeah. I acquired yeah. something of a new vocabulary. I know. I, yeah. I learned book. so much about astrophysics from this yeah. book. <laughs> I want to say, this is a slight aside. La like, last, again, I'm like reading, I've read this book in the course of a week only because I'm a procrastinator, but last night I was at dinner with some people. And I, I told the story of this book to this to my husband, his mom, and his cut my husband's cousin, and it was like probably ten seconds into my description that I could see the eyes like, like <laughs> I was like, and then like they go up and there's this cloud arc, and, da, 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 and I was like, you have to read it. <laughs> and that was page thirty. Yeah, exactly. 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 I felt passionate about how good. It yeah. Was. No. And the thing that when I describe it to other people, I always start with just the beginning of like what I said. I don't mm. even get into all the drama of the cloud yeah. arc. I I definitely don't do a spoiler of like. And then the second half of the book is five thousand years yeah, in the yeah. future, which is insane. Yeah. Like it made my jaw drop when I was initially reading the book because mm -hmm. I knew very little about it when I first read it. Like, I turn the page, and then it's like, 5,000 years later, I'm like, oh, my God, he yeah. went there. Mm -hmm. That was one thing I did like about the writing style. One thing I enjoyed about it is that he's not afraid to just leap ahead. Yeah. 5,000 is the extreme example. But there are other places where they're trying to get to uh, in endurance, what becomes endurance, I think. And it's like a three-year mm -hmm. passage yeah. to get to the... The the big oh, yeah. remaining piece mm -hmm. of the yeah. the moon that mm -hmm. becomes the shelter for everybody yeah, and, yeah. and where they develop this new civilization, and it's just they set out and then three years later, yeah. uh, you know that's the yeah. next next chapter, yeah, yeah. and yeah, I enjoy that. Uh, I think he also he also employed that when talking about the end of Earth as we knew it. Like he didn't get into uh, you know like a movie adaptation of this, mm -hmm. and there is going to be yeah. one. By the way, Ron Howard is directing yeah. it, so I think it's going to be pretty good. I hope. I, mean, I hope. So well but how are you condense yeah, this yeah. into one yeah. movie? Uh, yeah. But like I think a movie version, a traditional movie version, would probably focus a little bit too much on like the agony of like the world engulfed in flames and everyone dying yeah. and stuff. And I felt like he did it very subtly from the perspective of people on the International mm -hmm. Space Station where like they were listening to some radio feeds and then eventually they die out and yeah. it was really sad. Well, it is was really sad. Yeah. Yes. It was sad. Mm -hmm. I am curious about how you all thought his treatment of the end of civilization on Earth holds up. Um, because for me there was this a little bit of suspension of disbelief that Earth continued mostly business as usual for yeah. I think two years, yeah. uh, leading up to uh, you know the beginning of the end. Yeah, and maybe it's just me projecting onto everyone else, but mm. I enjoy. I like my job. Mm. I like the people I work oh with. Oh yeah, I forget but it. Would I still be showing up to work <laughs> uh, for two years? Yeah. Oh, uh, I didn't get that impression actually. I got the impression that everyone was boning a lot. Um, and that um, everyone's jobs kind of shifted to focus on like sending stuff up for the International Space Station. I mean, I think that's that's part of the thing. There wasn't a uh -huh. lot of a, tr a lot of treatment about yeah. how people got by or didn't get by, yeah. and the uh, you know the the suffering or the I, I mean, there was a fair bit of that. But to me, it, I felt like there could have been you almost had to have that as a plot device in order to give yourself enough time to get enough people mm -hmm. up into outer space mm -hmm. instead of everything just descending into pandemonium. Mm -hmm. And part of that being that there's this international effort 
where everybody comes together around mm -hmm. that instead of a, all right, we, the rich com you know, mm -hmm. countries, are mm -hmm. going to build this yeah. escape, um, and we are going to build another yeah. escape. It seemed uh, peaceful. Like, yeah, it was, it was really a... Until the end. But that, that was just like one little nuclear, like one Venezuela. Right. That was it. Yeah. Like I, I mean, for the the the, the emotional, I, one another emotional part for me was when um, the the Neil deGrasse Tyson type. I always think of him in my head as Neil deGrasse Tyson. What yeah. was his actual name? Du du yeah. Thank Dubois, you, Doc Dubois. Dubois. Dr. Dubois. When he and some people are like going around to do the ceremonial like receiving yeah. of these children yeah. selected from various countries and places to be the representatives mm. of their cultures. Mm. Like, God, that would be terrible. Mm. This segues into something that I would like to talk about also, mm. which is ultimately the civilization, the society that they create in the cloud arc is totally ripped apart by mm. all these different forces, right? And as someone who has was a political science major mm -hmm. and has worked in government, um, I couldn't help but notice that politicians were prohibited. They were they were yeah. not mm -hmm. allowed yeah, yeah, yeah. on the cloud mm -hmm. arc, right? Yeah. And mm -hmm. as a lawyer, I will also note that one lawyer was allowed from all of humanity. <laughs> <laughs> and that guy was not like really a lawyer. He's like right. been a, an entrepreneur and yeah. like failed at and went the to talk show circuit. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and. I thought to myself, you know, like maybe if they had invested a little bit Sal. more in people who were uh, accustomed to leading mm. and Except dealing with conflict, like it is a totally conflict incompetent yeah. society. Yeah. They have no conflict resolution mechanisms no, built in. Right. Right, because the scientific the scientific community of ISS the initial people who go up are all like they're mechanics, they're scientists, yeah. they're people who are there to get stuff done. And then when all the people come up for the cloud arc who are just civilians, who are just supposed to wait around for a couple thousand years, like the they, they, there wasn't, yeah, the Archies, there wasn't a lot of planning there. But I will note that they did send up one politician and she fucked everything she, no, up. No, she didn't, they, they didn't send her up. Well, well yeah, she, she went, snuck she, up, she exactly. Went, she went up and she, and but like it's to your point, I think, Andrew, because yeah, she ruined it all. I, I, one of the questions I wanted to talk about is like who, who's a bad guy and a good guy? And I think like um, bad woman, good woman. I want to talk about women too, because I love the way women are in this book, but um, she, Julia, Julia, the president of the United States, who is not supposed to come up to the cloud arc, and but sneaks up sneaks at the last up. moment. Yeah, she sneaks up at the last moment. Um, and she, I would, I, so there's Aida, is that how we pronounce Aida? Aida. Aida. Mm -hmm. she, she is like, I think character, it's just so interesting to me. Again, I actually, again, it's a good book to answer a question you asked right up front, Grace. It's a really, <laughs> really good book. But, the, but uh, Aida is sort of like characterized in a way as the evil one. And in the end, when, when she's one of the Eves and right. she was a cannibal and, and she, she calls it, like at the Council of the Seven Eves, mm -hmm. she calls it that she and her all of her descendants for time in a memoriam are going to be considered. And then the, la the, the last third of the book, the red, it is like very clear that the, and I, again, I just read it like three hours ago, so I know, um, <laughs> the, the red, faction, which is her faction, is like definitely characterizes as the bad guys. Mm -hmm. And but Julia, it's like Aedans and Julians are yeah. kind of the reds. But she, I find Aida's characterization, again, more complex than Julian. Like Julian's just a fucking conniving bitch who like 
she shouldn't have, should never have come up there in the first place, and she came up and became an Eve, and like, that's bad. But uh, Aida was like more of a survival, she was like 18 when everything went down, when the cloud arc split apart, she was just an archy, she was a kid from Italy, and I don't know. It's it's just interesting. Yeah. I, don't you know, think uh, I didn't think about this ahead of time, but I wonder if the seven Eves have um, like uh, seven like the seven deadly sins. If we could match the seven Eves with yeah. the seven deadly sins, I think that that might be stretching a little bit because they're very obviously like Julians and Aedans in the in the future society, five thousand years in the future. They are the red faction yeah. who are kind of completely separate from the blue faction yeah. who are. Um, uh, all of the rest of the Eves, yeah. the Dinans, Ivans, Camillans, um, who am I missing? The Russian, Teclan, Teclans, and Moirans. Moirans, yeah, yeah. Um, of the of the seven Eves, like, did you guys identify with any particular one more Di than others? Dinan. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, Dino was. The coolest character. So, I mean, <laughs> Dino was a badass. She I really, was. I don't I know. Maybe that's why I didn't. <laughs> I really like Simple. Mora, though. Like the Morans, I, I really enjoy their. She was the geneticist. Epi yeah, the yeah. geneticist, and she was the that's one who right. would go epigenic. Mm -hmm. Who uh, the Morans in the book in the future, if they undergo like a stressful situation, their entire personalities can change, and so uh, the the character in the book was uh, Kath 2, mm -hmm. meaning that she had undergone one epigenetic mm -hmm. change before, and then in the book she becomes Kath 3, mm -hmm. which I found really fascinating. I did too. But like, did talk about girl power, yeah. you know? Yeah. Like well, that was one of also one of the things that I found yeah. to be unexpected about the way that the book went, is that people just kept dying. I mean, he was yeah. not I know, afraid I to kill people. I was surprised yeah. at that, too. And large numbers of people yeah, in yeah. Yeah. you know, single stroke of the pen. Yeah. And yeah. You, had a, you had 28 people or something like that left at a, after all of the Civil War. Yeah. And then off they go to endurance and everybody dies, yeah. you know, except for these eight people, and one of whom is postmenopausal and yeah. so does not become one of the seven eves. Yeah. And by the way, it took me being close to that point to put together. <laughs> right. Oh, the me, title. Too. <laughs> me too. Yeah, ditto. Well, it's because of what you just said though, cuz you're like it can't be, like they're not all everyone that many people are is not going to die. Right. That, yeah, that was when it, when the number was 26, I was like, oh. <laughs> I, th I, think yeah. like, I think we're about to I had a similar almost extinguish the <laughs> human race. Yeah. Right. I had a similar uh, response. And one time when I was telling a friend about it, they guessed that that's what happened. I was like, oh, I think it's actually for like the seven moon chunks. <laughs> like I didn't want to yeah. like reveal that yeah. bit to them. So there's actually, th this makes me, again, as I just finished the book, there, um, he, there's a bit of a like, I noticed, I, I thought about those, um, the, I thought about, so when, when the hard rain happened and Ivy's fiance was under the water and we didn't say goodbye to him, we just said, and he was like, I'm going under. Yeah. Like when that happened, I was like, oh, he's probably, he'll probably survive. Like, that's what I thought. Oh, I didn't pick, I didn't think and that. Then his, and then when his, when the same thing with Dinah, and she, it was more explicit with Dinah's family. It was like. She, she, she was, on the, he called out, like, she was the only person on the cloud, or in the cloud arc, and, and Izzy, 
who um, knew that her relatives were actually still alive. Like he says that explicitly, they're still alive at that moment. But then when the Council of the Seven Eves happens, his langu the language he uses is like, these are the only, he says, these are the only seven people alive in the human race. And I feel like that's not fair as a writer. <laughs> but I think that was, on us. <laughs> well, I think that was, I think that was true from the perspective of the Eves, you yeah, know? Yeah, it's true. Um, it's but true. I was really, I was really. Well, not, no, 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 not Dinah. Not Dinah. Probably Ivy thought her husband died, but Dinah knew that his, her, her dad so? was still alive at that time because it's only a couple of years. She was confident that her dad was still mm. alive. I posit. Mm. Hard to know. The, the atmosphere was burning. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> the seas were boiling. You know, yeah. Maybe yeah. it's irrelevant. Yeah. But, but I loved, um, I loved, loved, loved the ending where, you know, the, it is revealed that yeah. Ivy's boyfriend's descendants are, or fiance's descendants are still like living underwater and they've morphed into like walrus humans. <laughs> and then like, then, uh, you know, Dinah's family has been living in caves and created this very like conservative kind of society that mm. has managed to like live. It, it just boggled my mind. And uh, I mean, it, it could have gone really badly. I mean, it obviously did go really yeah. badly for the most part, like 8 billion people died. Yeah. But you no, know. my, so my, I have two, my two questions are like, my two, two big topics I was hoping we could discuss today. One is um, racial identity and like the diciness of the third, the last third of the book, whether you guys ever felt like that was getting dicey. But mm. like racial, how do you mean? Just like how specifically races were characterized mm. by like extremely detailed personality traits. Yeah. Well, I think, I mean, I, I, took that to be from the genetic finagling that Maura right. did so that, you know, yeah. It makes it le less dicey because it was deliberate. Yeah. It was an actual choice. Yeah. But I felt there were moments when I kept feeling weird mm. when I was reading that. And then I was like, oh, yeah. And then I would remember exactly what you did. Yeah, they were intending to, like, every Eve got to pick out one thing that they're, or, like, do, like, one tweak to yeah. their kids with, with the exception of, um, of course, Eve Aida, who like she had six, five or six children. Each one was a different race, and so they're like sub races of Aidans. Mm. Like some of them are Neanderthals, yeah. some of them are I don't know, it's just like batshit crazy. Yeah, like yeah, uh, right. just, um, I I thought that that was really. I really want to know more about the Aidans yeah. actually. Yeah. Um, and the story was obviously told from kind of the point of view of Dinah yeah. and Mora. And so we didn't get really a peek into the red parts of the ring okay. that much. It remained a mystery to them and to us. Mm -hmm. So the source of that r racial sort of breaking apart yeah. and the perpetuation of those identities was the Council of the Seven Eves. Mm -hmm. And I will admit that I was not entirely sold on the authenticity of the conversation that would have happened if there were only eight people left on the earth. Uh, you've gone through a lot, you hate each other, mm -hmm. but if it is true that you can repopulate the earth through cloning mm -hmm. and come up with all this variation, I couldn't help but think that they either would have come together without having to make a snap decision in 10 minutes enforced by a bomb that was yeah, going to yeah. explode that outside. That was very Dinah uh, of her. Right? Yes, right. it was very <laughs> Dinah of her. That seemed like 
a sort of convenient. And then I was surprised in a way that those identities really could have stuck and that That's instead you, there would have been a lot of blending as they came up together in the same area. And I suppose they could have gone off into their silos and done their thing, but it seemed like a more likely outcome if you are the last remnants of, of a planet. Yeah. yeah, I mean, there were questions about like inbreeding that weren't really answered. You know, obviously for the first few generations, it was just women, ha women having more women in order to have more children mm -hmm. to eventually have the genetic diversity that mm -hmm. those people could then not be getting it on with their first cousins yeah, or whatever. Right, right. But um, I, it, they did mention like mixed race people mm -hmm. living yeah. on certain parts of the ring. That's a good point. The they more did. cosmopolitan parts of the ring, they described it. Mm -hmm. um, I would have loved to know more about that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah. You're you're saying it elo more eloquent. What I'm what I'm trying to say, Andrew. I think that like I think it's that's five thousand years. Five thousand years of living in living. Uh, I mean, I guess it's, I mean, maybe that's what it is. It's that it was an extremely controlled experiment. Like the one way to summarize this book is that it's a reset of humanity mm -hmm. with, with keeping every single tiny megabit of, I of information we have currently mm -hmm. and going over, it's like start over, but no losing nothing, losing no knowledge. And like, what would what would it be? And that's this is. I don't know if it's what he's like thinks it should thinks should happen or thinks would happen. And that's yeah. one of the things I wonder. And I, I completely agree. I, I actually so the most I, I'm the thing that will stay in my head as like the most touching moment in the book to me uh, was the Council of the Seventies and Dinah's like Dinah leaves and like. It's like, I gotta get the fuck out of here and has an explosive in her hand. And then she goes climbing up the crevasse and like throws that, I mean, and then, yeah, like you said, then it, it, the impact is even greater by the fact that you turn the page and it says 5,000 years later. Yeah. I it's loved the intense. part where, I mean, I wasn't expecting the 5,000 year job. I wasn't either. <laughs> at all. Yeah. But the thing I really loved about the description of that was um, how uh, Kath 2 described being in Earth's atmosphere, yeah. like being like some type of intoxicant, yes, just like yes. how how deeply it affected her mm -hmm. body. Who you know, she and all these people for thousands of years had been living in artificial environments, in artificial atmospheres mm -hmm. on on the crevasse and then mm -hmm. on the ring. Mm -hmm. um, I thought that that was really touching. I thought that I thought that Stevenson did a really good job of conveying what it would be like to live in such claustrophobic and limited spaces. Mm -hmm. That was horrifying to me, uh, the <laughs> arcs and... <laughs> yeah, I mean, that, 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 that part of it makes me wonder about the, like, I'm like, would we, would, I mean, we, I think we might just go extinct. I think seven seventies yeah. would be like them slitting each other's throats. Yeah, seventies is like best done. case scenario. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, 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 by far, by far, right? <laughs> yeah, because of that. Oh, and like the the description. That's the, this is the part that there's like I have some empathy for old Aida because the I remember the video feed of her like when they're floating back in to go attack. So you know. It's like Izzy slash, and I guess is already endurance. Yeah, Izzy is endurance at that point because they've gotten the comet. Mm -hmm. The comet's overcome. So, and then the cloud, but there's this cl these cloud arc factions away, which, by the way, 
The people who went to Mars, we don't know what happened. Never answered, right? Mm. True. Yeah. I guess they're gone. Yeah. But <laughs> I mean, you can only fit so much into a 980 <laughs> books. When you have to describe the stacks of trucks and <laughs> true. <laughs> he's, yeah, he finished. He wrote his last longhand legal page. It's like, oh damn. Oh well. <laughs> but so yeah, so they uh, so yeah, they're the, the, that little faction of the cloud arc, and everyone knows that Julie is in charge. I guess kind of, and they're coming back, and they're saying. And there's the video feed of her, and it's like, hey, I'm star. It's like this emaciated woman with bad teeth is clearly starving. Even being a cannibal hadn't helped her survive. <laughs> Even that. <laughs> but uh, I mean, being a cannibal, it'll help you survive. But I guess it's kind of like a ketogenic diet. You know, you're not. <laughs> you're not <getting laughs> that part was terrifying. Like when I, um, like the like the road is terrifying to me. Like mm -hmm. I. Mm, mm -hmm. dislike, dislike cannibal kind of situations. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I felt like that was realistic. Yeah. I don't know. No, no, it's, no. it's scary. There's a, there's a whole law of the sea, the old cannibalism rules. And what is that? That's what in, is that rule? in law school, it's one of the, you read some early cases on cannibalism and people coming back and uh, being tried for cannibalism and defenses around whether it was morally defensible to eat a person if they were dying or had died in mm -hmm. order to save the, oh. the greater good mm -hmm. sort of theories of legal philosophy and so it, it, it used to happen I mean there was a well-developed body of law in Whoa. Europe relating to cannibalism on the high seas so Whoa. and one thing I like about this the space See, stuff this is, is why they needed more than just Sal up there that's right. You could have <laughs> <laughs> been warned of this stuff. <laughs> you probably didn't pay attention. That's right. <laughs> with, the, with the Black's Law Dictionary <laughs> something. Um, so, so, yeah, that I, th I thought that cannibalism was, uh, it didn't surprise me that that had happened. I thought it was yeah. horrifying, but yeah. not, and, I mean, not surprising. That kind of makes me think of, uh, you know, in the in the final days, final months of, of Earth's existence, how you know everyone is watching the cloud arc footage, everyone's watching the space yeah. station footage. Yeah, like yeah. I'm imagining that, like you know, because people, like, why would we make like a regular movie? Like nobody wants to watch that. People yeah. want to see what's going on in the cloud arc. Um, that there was like a whole category of like Teclon porn. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. that is so real. Yeah. Like, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. you know that there was so much like porn being consumed and also <laughs> probably produced. Like, uh, I just felt like that was In such. Zero gravity, yeah. Yeah, that yeah. is such a uh, uh, accurate mm -hmm. point. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> but the, you know, I, I would like to mention that this was actually on Barack Obama's summer reading list this oh, year. Wow. He picked, he, they shared like five books that he was reading this summer. Mm. This was one of them. I like to think that he wouldn't be like Julia and like sneak a ride no even way. though he wasn't supposed to. I think yeah. he'd be a bit more populist about it. But, you know, with uh, Ron Howard directing a film adaptation of this, mm. I'm not sure if it's supposed to be out like, I don't think it's even in production yet, yeah. but we're probably looking at 2017 or 2018 release. Um, like who would you want to play the various Eves in a movie? Mm. Because personally, my first thought was President Julia is absolutely Tilda Swinton. Yeah, yeah, That's yeah, a good yeah, match. yeah. But she has to be small. She has to be small. Tilda she could play small. Yeah, she'd have to play small. 
but yeah, she could be icy. Yeah. yeah. So conniving. Yeah. Um, this is just a association by name, but I imagined a Julia Roberts taking a dark role as the president. Uh, yeah, yeah, she could do it. That would be a major turn. Yeah. yeah, right? Yeah. I think that would be mm. a good against type. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I'd like to see that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I'm trying to think of Tekla. I love Tekla. Tom Hanks would be in it, by the way, somehow. I don't know how. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I he mean, he could be old doob. Yeah, I always picture Dr. That's how I pictured him. Yeah, Dr. Dubois is black, though, right? <laughs> I know, they would, yes. I yeah. don't know. I assumed he was. Oh, because of Neil deGrasse Tyson. Or maybe probably. they mentioned something? I, I don't mentioned it at some yeah. point. Oh, okay, yeah. all right. Um, right. He, could, he could be a Doc Dubois-type character, I suppose. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or he could go against... Well, I guess Tavistock Ma was a younger guy. Marcus, yeah. give, it, give it a few years, because this guy needs a little bit of age on him, but Marcus would be um, Alexander Skarsgård. Yeah. That's that's yeah, that's I can see that. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> he should be in it anyway. Yeah, you're right. One he way would or the be other, in it for sure. <laughs> He's like, but there's like uh, a female version of him that would be Tekla too. Mm. But I can't think of who it would mm -hmm. be. Yeah. To be honest, I didn't think of anybody past Tilda Swinton. I just wanted to see Tilda Swinton in this good. movie. <laughs> she would crush it. She would crush it actually. Isn't it weird that the whole thing was recorded on video? That is to say, the whole post to earth series and every like every living container every meeting space was all recorded mm -hmm. and ultimately live streamed mm -hmm. and yet it had absolutely no impact on be people's behavior apparently mm. whatsoever mm -hmm. you'd think that people would be more accountable but mm. it's it's maybe oh not the case mm, once you've yeah. given up any any concept of privacy because there's yeah. no privacy true i mean that's the, that's that might be a he might be making a statement about about that because that's like the reality of the way people are now that they mm -hmm. expect to uh, yeah they expect to record themselves or be recorded and i think the archies to some extent when they first go up they're kind of little celebrities in their hometowns yeah. and so i wonder i mean i think that he was probably also making a statement like these are the Kardashians of the future, mm -hmm. you know, like mm -hmm. these, these people are going up there knowing that they're going to be recorded 24 mm -hmm. seven. Mm -hmm. They're representing their entire cultures. They don't have anything to do except post on the space book and mm -hmm. like, is that what it was called? I forgot. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, uh, I think, yeah, I think he is saying something about reality television. So my political operative husband told me yesterday, I didn't know this, but, so, like, Hillary Clinton's um, campaign has util utilized the ground game, which is, like, we, we my kids and I, and he, the four, the four of us all went and knocked, literally knocked mm -hmm. on I was doing physical, that this afternoon. Yeah, physical yeah, doors. Uh -huh. And that's, like, the, that's, like, you know, the way to win elections, according to what people think. But Donald Trump today is testing for us the his theory, Donald Trump's theory, and perhaps his campaign staff, that's questionable, I don't know, um, a theory that just using social media can win an election. Right, that you can just reach people through Facebook and yeah. Twitter. And we'll find out in a few hours. <sighs> We're going to find out in a few hours. Uh, as of right now, it is almost 5 p.m. on election day. We don't know yet how it's going to turn out. <laughs> um, 
just like halfway through 70s. We didn't know how stuff was going to turn <laughs> out. <laughs> but I, I do like that idea, that um, comparison to real life here, that you could have a group of red and a group of blue that yeah. is living in such an insular media world yeah. that yeah. if you're spoon-fed an idea of a complete villain and uh, evil adversary yeah. on the other side, that's all you can... That's all you have yeah. to, to work with in a way. And it's so easy to just, like, it would be exaggerated in this kind of space environment, I think. Oh, in exactly. A way where the only, because you can't move around and meet people yeah. in common areas, the only thing you can consume is electric electronic mm -hmm. media. Mm -hmm. So people just were pushed so far apart yeah. mm -hmm. uh, and reinforced this spiraling, distancing effect to the point where they were ready to to rebel against the last 25 people of the human race mm -hmm. in order to take control and be sure that they didn't lead you, anyway, that they didn't lead you astray somehow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, it's, it was bizarre. Mm -hmm. that, that over and over I kept thinking, why can't they come together? Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, like, yeah. But like why can't we they can see the right. But that's like such today. a human thing, right? Like, yeah. it's like, no, but I'm right. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. I'm yeah, right, yeah, though. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. You need to acknowledge that I'm right. Yeah. Like, God, it's too real. Mm. Yeah. Should have been, they should have just set up all, like, mediators. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Camillas. <laughs> that's the Camillas. That's yes, what that's they right. were. Oh, the poor Camillas. <laughs> yeah. oh. I, I was proud of Camilla when she finally stood up for herself and yeah. you know, yeah. kind of distanced herself from Julia. Yeah. But, but yeah. Yeah. But I think that we are probably about time to wrap up this shindig. I want to uh, ask you guys if you have any other book recommendations that you want to make in I terms mean, of what you're reading now or what you'd recommend um i just want to take in the next neil stevenson book that i can and you've recommended snow, snow crash, crash is so really good yeah i think i'll do that um yeah nothing else i don't have any other recommendations you've been reading this exclusively reading for this like the last few weeks <laughs> really long time yeah <laughs> what about you andrew american gods by neil gaiman which I very much enjoyed, and it's an exploration of the different religions and old world gods that were brought to America by immigrants to this country and what happens to them when they leave the old country. Mm. And it's very much mythology, uh, and it's a old gods versus new gods, where new gods include like the media mm. or, um, or could be Twitter, could practically be a new mm -hmm. god. And mm -hmm. so Trader where Joe's. do they draw their power from <laughs> and, and what do they do as they sort of battle each other? Uh, and, and it follows this one very appealing character uh, all around the country. And Neil Gaiman, as he wrote it, actually drove all around the country and wrote mm. it in hotel rooms. Uh, so it has a lot of uh, sort of commentary on the road shows and uh, the, the geography that he encountered along the way. Fun book. Super fun. I'm, I've also been reading a very fun book about lobotomies uh, called uh, Patient HM. Mm. It's, uh, it's, it's a bit gross. Mm -hmm. It is about lobotomies after all, but it's about the origin of lobotomies and specifically about this patient HM 
who is how he was referred to in, in all the studies written about him, he had a lobotomy that gave him an extremely short-term memory. Mm. Like if he was speaking with you, he could hold a conversation, you could ask him questions about his past, but up to a certain year, he remembered nothing. Mm -hmm. If you left for five minutes, they like, came back, he would ask as if he had never met mm -hmm. you before. And so he became like one of the most studied patients in like neuroscience. And the man who gave him the lobotomy is the grandfather of the guy who authored this book. It's insane. Mm. Um, it's That's an cool. amazing, amazing book. I mm. highly recommend it. Mm. Um, I'm devouring it. That's good. Um, but that's that's all for Seven Eves today. Thank you so much for for listening and uh, for to uh, Gabrielle and Andrew for being with me and chatting about this book that I. Thanks for recommending yeah. it. Yeah, so much. Yeah, yeah. I'm glad it was Thanks good. for strong arming us into reading this it was, book. Yeah, it was and my favorite favorite book that I've read in at least a year. Oh, that's awesome. For sure, that makes me really happy to yeah. hear that. Um, so, and thank you, listener, for joining us today on the twelfth story. We encourage you to subscribe via your preferred podcast app. We're on iTunes, SoundCloud. And if you like listening, tell your friends and tweet at us at Mercantile Lib. Uh, and my name is Grace Dobush. Today's podcast was directed and engineered by Chris Messick. Thanks to our guests, Gabrielle Blocher and Andrew Garth. The Twelfth Story is a production of the Mercantile Library in downtown Cincinnati. Our theme music was created by Doug McDermott. Don't forget to visit us online at mercantilelibrary.com where you can learn about our library and our upcoming events. Have a great week.